Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Yes, very grateful, very, very grateful to connect with you today. And let's jump right into it. My hand is on my heart. I am so grateful to wholeheartedly open myself to the inspiration of that higher Holy Spirit self. So grateful to connect in heart to heart and to open ourselves to the fullness of God's infinite love, intelligence, as our very life and being. We're accepting the truth, which is that we are one with the one, and that we are part of God, and everything is part of us, because we are part of God. Our life is the life of God. Our mind is the mind of God. Our heart is the very heart of God. And so we're living God's life. We are grateful that this is so. And so we are willing to recognize our innocence, our perfection, our wholeness, and our holiness. Our holiness does indeed bless the world, and we are grateful that this is so. Sharing the benefits with all, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes, 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 yes. I do love to pray. Prayer has transformed my life, and I'm so grateful for the power of prayer. Yes, prayer is a means of connecting with spirit and for miracles. That's what A Course in Miracles tells us. And I know it to be so. I absolutely do. And I am grateful that it is so. Mm-hmm. Okie doke. So uh, our topic this week is answering the call because it's been coming up in so many conversations I've been having. It's been very uh, front of mind. And one story that I told the other day is coming to me again as I begin this recording. I... Uh, When I was studying to be a minister at the Ernest Holmes Institute at Agape, uh, I had in a realization, I had a realization in contemplation, a realization of truth, a remembering of truth. And what, what it was, was I was finally letting go of the idea that I couldn't really be a good minister because I couldn't be that good of a person. And I finally realized that this idea had been blocking me for a long time. It had been a cause of resistance that I wasn't really completely aware of, that I was thinking that in order to be a an effective minister, I had to be a really good person, and I just couldn't be that good. And when I consciously looked at the thought, I realized why am I thinking that I am not good? Why am I still thinking I'm not good? I know that I'm a good person. I know it. I live it every day. There's no question about it. I still have judgments. I still have complaints. I still have habits and do things like back then uh, I would get drunk, you know, to drown my my feelings. I was still doing stuff like that. And that made me feel like I wasn't good enough to answer my call. 
And I finally realized in that moment, no, that's not how it works. It really is true that all are called, and I feel called, and it's time for me to stop thinking that I'm not good. Just because I get drunk or because I smoke cigarettes or because I have mean thoughts does not mean I'm not good. It was a real shift in my thinking. These are behaviors. They are not to do with my essence. These are thoughts which don't have to do with my essence. My holiness does bless the world. My holiness is intact. My innocence is intact. In that moment, I had a great willingness to believe that that was true and to let go of the false belief that I wasn't good enough. And then I couldn't really serve the way I desired to serve until I was good enough. Start where you are. Start where you are. And so uh, not long after that, I was in a class with Michael Beckwith, four ministers, and I asked him the question. I said, Reverend Michael, you have said for years, I've heard you say it so many times, that you resisted becoming a minister because you didn't want to work on the weekends. And I just wonder, is that really why you resisted it? Or is it because deep down you had a belief that you weren't good enough? You weren't a good enough person. Capable, yes, but not good enough. Was that really why you resisted it? And he said, yes, yes, that's it. And I was so glad to hear him say that. And I'm so glad to be speaking of it now because we have this idea that we can't answer the call that we feel. And it might be that I'm going to be an attorney and a prayer practitioner or I'm going to be a a, a waiter, a waitress, uh, and a prayer practitioner or a minister or... Uh, I mean, I, I know ministers who've had side professions for years. Of course I have. And there are many ministers who, for whatever reason, they have a job in real estate or they have a job in uh, nursing or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. They are not full-time minister making a living that way. And maybe they don't even want to. That's fine. But I would just like to give a shout out here to all the people who maybe feel like they can't follow their heart or their passion because they don't feel like they're good enough. Now, before I had that feeling uh, that I wasn't good enough, I had a very strong belief that I couldn't afford to become a minister because I didn't know how to do all the things that would need to be done, like websites and uh, email systems and marketing and all of that. Well, when you have a burning desire in your heart, you find a way anyway. I used to do so many workshops in people's homes, in my own home, wherever I could find a space rent a room at Agape, any place where I could just keep doing workshops and keep doing workshops. And I learned with every workshop. I got better and better. I learned so much. Doing the workshops was healing to me. People still got a lot out of them, even though they weren't as good as what I do now. They still got a lot out of them. And Boy, did I get a lot out of it. So some, sometimes people think, oh, I can't do that until I'm really good. I have to already be really good before I can do that. So this is why I talk about you know, driving hours to teach a workshop for one person, spending the entire day 
traveling, hanging around the church, going to the service, uh, having lunch with the congregation, and then teaching a workshop. Like five hours after I got there, for one person, one person showed up. But that one person I will never forget, and it was a life-changing experience in many ways. I won't tell the rest of that story now, but uh, it's so important to understand that there's one mind. If we're talking with one person, we're talking with everyone. Isn't that profound? So remember what Jesus said when he walked the earth, what you do to the least of them, you do to me. Because there's one, just one. What you do to the least of them, you do to me. To me, that is one of the most important things that he taught. So who is the least of them? The, the, well, I, I don't need to go down that road. So we, we know who, who that is. And let's include in the least of them the people that have no compassion, the people that are righteous, the people that are condemning, and judging and complaining. So instead of condemning those who condemn, let us be truly helpful and hold them in our heart and know that they will give up that pattern and that path and find a path of healing. So let's get into here the voice for God. It's chapter 5, section 2, and it begins with healing is not creating. It is reparation. So what is reparation? It's repairing, just like it sounds. Uh, It can also mean making amends. So that's why in the United States today, there's a conversation about reparation for descendants of uh, slaves. And uh, I think that's a good idea, personally. The Holy Spirit promotes healing by looking beyond it to what the children of God were before healing was needed and will be when they have been healed. So there was a time when people didn't need healing. We were fully expressed, open hearted, open minded beings. And we're returning to that space. So the way I think of it is we're coming to the end of an adventure in the belief in separation. It continues. This alteration of the time sequence should be quite familiar because it is very similar to the shift in the perception of time that the miracle introduces. The Holy Spirit is the motivation for miracle-mindedness. The decision to heal the separation by letting it go. So that's why we look at all the ways we keep separation alive in our thinking. The Holy Spirit is the motivation for miracle-mindedness. The decision to heal the separation by letting it go. So miracle-mindedness is the decision to heal the separation by letting it go. Your will is still in you because God placed it in your mind. And although you can keep it asleep, you cannot obliterate it. Now, it's important to understand that Jesus makes it very clear in the Course that there's only one will, and that is God's will. So our will is God's will. There is no second will. There's just an illusion of a second will. God himself keeps your will alive by transmitting it from his mind to yours. As long as there is time. The miracle itself is a reflection of this union of will between father and son. So another way of saying that our will is the will of God. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of joy. The Holy Spirit is the call to return with which God blessed the minds of 
his separated sons. So the, the language in the Course is this uh, masculine language, God the Father and the Son is a he. Now, remember, the Christians interpreted it as um, Jesus was the only Son of God, but that is not what Jesus taught and not what he's saying here. He's referring to the Son of God as all humanity. The Christ is the Son of God. The Christ is in all humanity. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of joy. The Holy Spirit is the call to return with which God blessed the minds of his separated sons. This is the vocation of the mind. So what does vocation mean? It means a calling. So it can mean your job, your occupation, but usually it means that you feel called to it. Your vocation is, uh, it often refers to um, clergy, that they have a vocation. They're answering a religious call um, uh, or they're entering into a religious order. Um, so the vocation of the mind, the vocation of the mind is to return to the spirit of joy and to give up separation. The mind had no calling until the separation because before that, it had only being and would not have understood the call to right thinking. There wasn't wrong thinking, so they wouldn't have had a call to right thinking. We wouldn't have had a call to right thinking. The Holy Spirit is God's answer to the separation, the means by which the atonement heals until the whole mind returns to creating. So this is very rich in terms of the basics of A Course in Miracles. The Holy Spirit is God's answer to the separation because in the belief in separation, there's a blocking of that connection with the one mind, the connection with infinite love intelligence. So the Holy Spirit is that answer to the belief in separation. The Holy Spirit brings us back into our right mind. It's a, a reminder of our holiness. And it says here, the means by which the atonement heals until the whole mind returns to creating. So the Holy Spirit is the means by which the atonement heals. So when we accept the atonement for ourselves, which is the only thing we need to do, and forgiveness is the way to get there, because the, it unblocks the mind. Uh, accepting the atonement means accepting the unity of all life, the oneness of all life. And we can't really say that enough. These are not just words. They are powerful, life-changing, deeply healing, and transformational words. Because all the problems that we have come from the belief in separation. The way we keep separation alive is we think we're better than or less than. Somebody else is better than or less than. This is the mechanism. And the mechanism for undoing that is the Holy Spirit. So when we reach for the Holy Spirit mentally we are moving into healing and transformation. It's so important, it's so powerful to understand this. All right, on to paragraph three. The principle of atonement and the separation began at the same time. So we didn't need to have the healing power of accepting the oneness of all life because there was nothing to heal. There was no denial of the oneness of all life. When the ego was made, God placed in the mind the call to joy. This call is so strong that the ego always dissolves at its sound. Okay, there is a clue. And here comes the, the further clarification. That is why you must choose to hear one of two voices within you. The call is so strong, the call to joy, 
the call to wholeness, the call to reparation, restoration, healing and transformation is so strong that the ego always dissolves at its sound. That is why you must choose to hear one of two voices within you. One you made yourself, and that one is not of God. That's the ego. And the other is given you by God, who asks you only to listen to it. That's all, just to listen. The Holy Spirit is in you in a very literal sense. His is the voice that calls you back to where you were before and will be again. It is possible, even in this world, to hear only that voice and no other. It takes effort and great willingness to learn. It is the final lesson that I learned, and God's sons are as equal as learners as they are as sons. Oh, my goodness. Right? Oh, my goodness. This is so much uh, inspiration for us. Oh, my goodness. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> it just makes me so happy to read these words and to know what they mean. So let's break this down a little bit. The Holy Spirit's voice is in us. In a very literal sense. That's what it says here. The Holy Spirit is in you in a very literal sense. That's why I started calling it the higher Holy Spirit self. Because I'd hear A Course in Miracles people talking about it. And the way they described it, it sounded to me like they felt separate from the Holy Spirit. So higher Holy Spirit self. Holy Spirit's voice, it's... it's wisdom, it, all of it is in me because I am not separate from anything or anyone, including the Holy Spirit. And so this is critical for us to remember. We're entitled to miracles. The Holy Spirit's voice is literally within us, within our very beingness. And it is this voice that calls us back into our right mind, into our holiness, and to relinquish our attachments to the belief in separation of better than and less than. And so, to me, this is what I hear in this passage. We don't have to make our healing happen. We just have to be willing to listen to that voice. And he says here, it is possible, even in this world, to hear only that voice and no other. It takes effort and great willingness to learn. It is the final lesson that I learned, and God's sons are as equal as learners as they are as sons. So he is telling us that this was his final lesson, and he learned it, and we can learn it. And I know it's true. It's not just that I believe it. I know it's true. And so this is the trajectory I am on. I am interested in listening only to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So one of the, within me, so one of the things that I do in my living of my days and living A Course in Miracles is... I'm recognizing the ego thoughts as they appear in my mind as much as possible and not giving them credence, but instead opening myself to the wisdom of the higher Holy Spirit self. So what I have seen so clearly and so demonstrably is that our judgments, our opinions, our complaints, our grievances, our grudges, everything that makes up all the hurt and pain <clears throat> and suffering that we experience, all of that is our interpretation. It's the meaning we've made of it. It's desiring to be a victim and seeing ourselves as victim. And we live in a world where leaders today proclaim themselves to be victims of the world all over the place. 
Over and over and over again, we see it with so many different leaders. No, this is not the teaching of A Course in Miracles. I am not a victim of the world I see. And the only path to happiness requires us to take responsibility for our thoughts about the world. Seek not to change the world, but to change your mind about the world. And the more we are willing to listen to that voice and discard the old patterns and behaviors of reaching for the judgment, the complaint, the old hurts, and making them real, the more we can discard all of those, the more available we are to hear that voice. And everything changes. Everything changes. I know because this is what I'm seeing in myself. And this is what I'm sharing in all of my programs. It works. It works. It works. And we can do this. It requires great willingness, but we can cultivate great willingness. And we are. All right. Time for a break. I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. My name is Jennifer Hadley, and I love A Course in Miracles, and I am so grateful that we have these clear teachings of liberation. Oh my gosh, it just excites me so much. So I'm pumped by what we were just looking at before the break here, that it takes great, it takes effort and great willingness to learn, but we can do it. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, great willingness is, it's, we can cultivate the habit, it takes effort to cultivate the habit of great willingness, which is the willingness to put aside the false beliefs, the habits and patterns of the ego, and to turn our attention to love, to unity, to oneness, to wholeness, to the perfection and innocence within ourselves and our brothers and sisters. So every day of our life, our brothers and sisters are our salvation. And what we think about them is our opportunity to practice this great willingness. So what I can say is if you truly would like healing and truly would like peace of mind and truly would like to experience prosperity, wholeness, freedom, joy, wisdom, clarity, creativity, beauty, harmony, abundance, all of this, then this is the way to do it. There isn't another way. There's no pathway in the world that can bring you to a deep abiding peace and joy. It has to be a pathway in the mind, in your beingness. That's the only way. Right? Seek not to change the world, but to change your mind about the world. So it's changing our mind about our body. It's changing our mind about our loved ones. It's changing our mind about ourself. I'm thinking about doing a program called Change Your Mind About Yourself. I loved Change Your Mind About Your Body. I loved it. It was so much fun for me. And I am loving doing the quantum counseling. We've only had one class, but it's fabulous. And let me just say here, since our, we're getting to the part about answering the call, because this is the call. The call is to cultivate this great willingness. The call is to put our attention on this and then see what comes. You know, I, I've just I've seen it work for so many. I, in Masterful Living, we have people who, in the first year, they quintuple their income, five times their income without doing any more promotion or marketing. People who were uh, struggling along in a job they didn't really like 
changed jobs, now have a fabulous job that they love and are doing well in, and they have more money than they ever had before in their lives. Less debt. I mean, the people who get promoted and promoted and promoted because their vibration has changed so much, everybody in their corporation would like to work with them, have them on their team. And it's this is the way of the world for spiritual students who practice this. Now, we do see spiritual students who don't practice this. They are practicing meditation and different things, um, but they're not experiencing this kind of healing because this kind of healing that I see in my programs, it only comes from working at the level of the mind. It doesn't come from going to church. I mean, I went to Agape for, oh gosh, I don't know, uh, 15 years? I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, probably at least 15 years. Uh, Once a week, twice a week, sometimes more, for sure. Uh, being, I was in the choir for 11 years. I sang in the choir. So I was at church a lot. I listened to a lot of services, and that was wonderful. I loved it. There's no question. And I would love to sing in a choir like that now. I absolutely would. And there is no substitute for doing this inner work. Just going to church a lot and volunteering a lot is not the same. It's, it's wonderful. It's helpful. And um, I, I sure enjoy it. Uh, I do volunteer with many different things. But this working at the level of the mind, that's the thing that is going to transform you, your body, your life, your finances, your family. So many families benefit because one person decides to do this work and then they are that fulcrum point of healing in their family. And so what he's saying here is you are equal to Jesus, to him as a learner. I think it's really important that we remember we are equal as learners and what he learned, we can learn. Because we share the same mind. And how dare we think that we can't? Why would we think that we can't unless, deep down, we didn't want to? We didn't want to. Now, I used to have a very strong belief that this stuff worked for other people, but not for me. Because I was especially bad. I was just teaching a class and talking about that. So, that's a real thing that's very prevalent. But it's... BS. It is belief system. It is BS in every sense of the word. Yes, it is bullcrap because we're one with everything and everyone. We're one with God. We're not bad. We might do things that are unkind and unloving and, and even things that are vicious. I used to do things that were vicious. But it's not who we are. And what I can say now is all the mean things that I did in my past, I do not feel guilty about them anymore. I don't. I was not in my right mind, and now I am. And I don't have to atone for my sins, but waking up is the path of the atonement. Waking up is accepting the unity of all life. I wouldn't treat myself poorly anymore. I used to. And I wouldn't treat someone else poorly anymore. I used to. Those are things of the past. They are not part of my life anymore. So it takes effort and great willingness to learn. But we don't have to figure out how to learn. All we have to do is have that great willingness. How do you have the great willingness? When you're uncomfortable, go to the Holy Spirit. That's it right there. Be still and know I am God. But it's also, it's be still and listen to remember I am God. 
And there's a profound fear that most spiritual students have that they don't even know is operating within them. And that is the fear that if they choose God over the ego, that they are going to have to live a life of sacrifice, crucifixion, deprivation. None of that is true. None of that is true. It's not been my experience. I used to feel deprived all the time. Now I don't feel deprived at all. I feel free to do whatever I would like to do. And what I notice so strongly is I am not interested in anything that is destructive or self-destructive. I'm just not interested in it before. Before, it was temptation to be self-destructive. There's no temptation to that now. What a change. What a change. And it came from cultivating the great willingness. This is what I'm interested in. I am interested in learning to listen to the one voice and only the one voice. For God. Well, it's not the only. It's 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 not the only voice that call. It, every voice for God is the one voice. Let's put it that way, for God. Okay. Now I love this next paragraph. Paragraph four. You are the kingdom of heaven, but you have let the belief in darkness enter your mind, and so you need a new light. You need a new light, baby. You are the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, which is within. You are the kingdom. But you have let the belief in darkness enter your mind. And so you need a new light. The Holy Spirit is the radiance that you must let banish the idea of darkness. Okay, here is another clue. The Holy Spirit can banish the idea of darkness if we let it. If we let it. Think about that. What I immediately think of <clears throat> is from the end of this chapter, chapter 5, the very end, it says, I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. So that's the thing that we can do here. We can let the Holy Spirit decide for God for me. Now what does that look like, feel like, seem like on a practical moment by moment? way. What I started to do in order to practice this would be I would pause and I would say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm not sure what to do here. I don't know what's the highest and best. I don't know which way to go. I'm not sure. So you decide for God for me. You decide and show me that decision. How do I walk in the direction of that decision? Make it clear, make it plain, make it obvious. Decide for God for me. And then I would know. Then I would know. And again, what I was saying before, we have to be willing to relinquish our attachments to the grudges, the grievances, the complaints, the victimhood, all of that in order to hear more clearly and to know more clearly and even to feel more clearly that communication from that higher Holy Spirit self. It's not going to be a voice for everybody. I, I rarely hear a voice. I mostly get a sense of something and that feeling that I have in, in I, it sounds weird maybe, but it translates into thoughts. The feeling comes with thoughts. 
I don't usually hear a voice. Occasionally, but not very often. So we don't need to look for a literal voice. The Holy Spirit is the radiance that you must let banish the idea of darkness. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. You see, great willingness. Let's undo all the consequences of every wrong decision we ever made. That is what I have experienced. That undoing of the guilt, the shame, the regret, the fear, the doubt, the worry that I would repeat all of those things. And I couldn't stop that I was compulsively bad. All of that, I gave it to the Holy Spirit for healing. The Holy Spirit is the radiance that you must let banish the idea of darkness. His is the glory. The Holy Spirit's is the glory before which dissociation falls away and the kingdom of heaven breaks through into its own. So living connected to in the glory of the Holy Spirit, in the light of that, the darkness that dissociation, which we could also call identification with the ego, falls away and heaven kingdom of heaven breaks through into its own. Remember, we are the kingdom of heaven, so we awaken to the kingdom that we are. We awaken to our magnificence, the hidden splendor, the innocence, the perfection that is our natural state. Before the separation, you did not need guidance. You knew as you will know again, but as you do not know now. So that takes humility to say, I'm confused. I don't know. I'm lost. And so I'm going to turn to the wisdom within me to guide me. Because the voice of the Holy Spirit is within me. The Holy Spirit is within me, not separate. God does not guide because God can share only perfect knowledge. Guidance is evaluative because it implies there is a right way and also a wrong way, one to be chosen and the other to be avoided. By choosing one, you give up the other. The choice for the Holy Spirit is the choice for God. God is not in you in a literal sense. You are part of God. You are part of God. We are part of God. When you choose, chose to leave God, God gave you a voice to speak for God because God could no longer share his knowledge with you without hindrance. So the voice for God, the Holy Spirit, is that way of cutting through our choice for separation so that we don't forget who we are and whose we are. Direct communication was broken because you had made another voice. But that, that direct communication can be restored. Seek not to change the world, but to change your mind about the world. So we change our mind about that direct communication. We change our mind about, is it safe to listen to the voice for God? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Direct communication was broken because you had made another voice. See, that's the thing about God is... In this world, we can explore whatever we want and there's no judgment coming from our creator. It's This is an illusion, so we can explore all we'd like to. It's just like if you, your child is going to play a video game and in the video game, they're going to wreak destruction 
and all kinds of havoc and chaos and carnage. It's in a video game. You're letting them do that because it doesn't affect their permanent record. And the same is true for us here in this world. It's just an exploration. Let's not take it so seriously. See, and that's what forgiveness is for. Forgiveness is releasing the meaning we made of things, releasing it to the Holy Spirit for healing. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision. We don't believe it. We think we should be punished forever. No. No. No punishment. No. No punishment. Feeling separate from God is our punishment that we are inflicting on ourselves because we believe ourselves to be wrong, bad, not enough. But all of that can be healed and fall away. It really can. Oh, by the way, I have reopened Masterful Living uh, just until uh, Monday the 26th. Monday the 26th. We had a bunch of people who came into the quantum counseling program and uh, realized that we have a path to train people to be certified as spiritual counselors. And so I've opened up Masterful Living so those people, if they'd like to, can come and join us this year in Masterful Living and not have to wait till next year. Because Masterful Living is part of the requirement of my certification for spiritual counselors and for prayer practitioners. And also, briefly on that topic, in May, I am doing two live events in Arizona. One is my Quantum Counseling Training Intensive. It used to be called the Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive. Now it's called the Quantum Counseling Training Intensive. And that is a week-long training in person. And then I'm following that with how to create and lead workshops that make a difference. And that is Memorial Day weekend. So both of these back-to-back -back in May in Scottsdale, Arizona. Very easy to get to Phoenix. Short ride from Phoenix Airport. And found a great hotel. Amazing rates. And we're going to have a heck of a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. First in-person trainings since before the pandemic. Yay! Getting back together in person. I love it. So all the details at jenniferhadley.com or powerofloveministry.net. Powerofloveministry.net. Okay, so let's continue on here. Because we're talking about answering the call of the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit calls you both to remember and to forget. You have chosen to be in a state of opposition in which opposites are possible. As a result, there are choices you must make. In the holy state, the will is free so that its creative power is unlimited and choice is meaningless. So choice is meaningless, meaning that you're listening to the one voice. So there's no real choice. But as long as we believe in separation, there's a choice. Important to understand that. Freedom to choose is the same power as freedom to create, but its application is different. Choosing depends on a split line. The Holy Spirit is one way of choosing. God did not leave his children comfortless, even though they chose to leave him. The voice they put in their minds was not the voice for God's will for which the Holy Spirit speaks. The voice of the Holy Spirit does not command because it is incapable of arrogance. It does not demand because it does not seek control. It does not overcome because it does not attack. It merely reminds. It is compelling only because of what it reminds you of. It brings to your mind the other way, remaining quiet, even in the midst of the turmoil you may make. The voice for God is always quiet because it speaks of peace, 
Peace is stronger than war because it heals. War is division, not increase. No one gains from strife. What profiteth it a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If you listen to the wrong voice, you have lost sight of your soul. You cannot lose it, but you cannot know it. It is therefore lost to you, lost is in quotes, to you until you choose right. The Holy Spirit is your guide in choosing. He is in the part of your mind that always speaks for the right choice because the Holy Spirit speaks for God. The Holy Spirit is your remaining communication with God, which you can interrupt but cannot destroy. The Holy Spirit is the way in which God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. But both heaven and earth are in you because the call of both is in your mind. The voice for God comes from your own altars to God. These altars are not things, they are devotions. Yet you have other devotions now, false idols. Your divided devotion has given you the two voices, and you must choose at which altar you want to serve. The call you answer now is an evaluation because it is a decision. The decision is very simple. It is made on the basis of which call is worth more to you. Which call is worth more to you? That's what we have to decide, which call is worth more. So the fear of God, the fear of awakening, all of that, just give it to the Holy Spirit for healing. Because let me tell you, if I had only known that it was possible for me, I would have started so much earlier. Oh my God, because I was called in my 20s. But I was afraid. I was afraid. And I'm not, I'm not in regret now because now I can talk about that in ways that people can understand. So everything is perfect, and I'm cool with that. <laughs> oh, yes. Let's pray here. I am so grateful to place my hand on my heart. And to op let's open ourselves to that voice for God and know that it is always speaking to us and always giving us divine guidance and insight. And we welcome it. We are consciously sharing the benefits with everyone. Everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen.